Welcome to The Ferment, everyone. We hope that everyone is holding up okay during these challenging times. To keep our team at Brown Family Wine Group engaged and linked into what is happening at the winery, we are introducing our brand new winery update podcasts. We'll be getting real-time information on what is and will be coming into our wineries and getting it out to you, our loyal Ferment listeners. Please enjoy The Ferment Winery Updates. Right, we're back with another winery vintage catch-up. How are you going, Caroline? I'm going well from studio. Am I studio four or studio three? Uh, you're four, I'm forgetting. three, I'm- yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, studio four is going well, thank you. I have two sleeping puppies next to me and trying to stay sane, which is good. Yeah, How about okay. yourself? Uh, look, to be honest... I'm not sure if you guys got it down there, but we got a massive amount of rain today, or last night and this morning. And Melissa, my wife, came into the lounge room. I was watching the news and she's going, Harry, you've got to come and listen to this. And in one of the rooms, you could hear on the ceiling this drip, drip, drip. I was like, oh, no. And it's like the furthest part into the back of the house where it's really a nightmare to get in there. And so I spent about an hour in the roof plugging up holes and <laughs> trying to stop leaks. Oh, and, no. Uh, just <laughs> terrible, just terrible. Yeah. It's exact, exactly what you need. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey, Caroline, I've got a funny story to tell you. I was at the supermarket about two days ago and as I was walking into the supermarket, there was a guy, he was on his bike and he had a slab of UDL cans sitting on like the the cross beam between the handlebars and the and the seat. He had a slab of UDLs and then a six pack of Jim Bean cans on top of that. And I thought, gee, that's that's a pretty good effort if you're going to be able to ride a bike with all this balancing act on on, on the on that beam. And sounds so, safe. <laughs> yeah, sounds real safe. And then I went in and did my shopping. And as I was coming out, I heard this, "Oi, stop!" And I, so I stopped and looked around, and it was the guy who was on the bike was walking out with the, you know, the Woolworths, they have the little green baskets. And yeah. he was walking out with a green basket. So he have, obviously hadn't paid for anything. And the supermarket people were chasing him down and he just didn't turn around at all, just kept walking straight out of the, the store. And I'm walking out of the store so I could see where he was going. And then when I got into my car and I was driving off, I saw the supermarket uh, lady. She was running across the road in front of my car. And I thought, what now what's she doing? This guy had dumped the basket behind some bins over the other side of the road and she was running to get it because he'd left it there. And so then when I came around the corner, he was walking back. So he'd obviously gone to check on his bike or just leave it somewhere to get out of the vicinity and then he was going to come back and get it. But the supermarket lady had picked it up and already taken it back into the store. And I saw her yesterday and said, did you get all the stuff back or did did that guy actually steal something? And she said, no, no, I got it all back. It was about $150 worth of stuff that he tried to steal in this green basket. So was obviously picking the most expensive items in the store. <laughs> Jeez, talk about uh, no contact shopping. Maybe he just didn't want to um, hand over the cash or the his card. <laughs> he was do- doing his best social distancing, Your Honour. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, what about you? Any funny stories uh, from down your way? Well, the thing that I've liked most this week is I've had a, quite a few people send me this. A song that's quite close to my heart and that I get sung a lot is um, obviously Sweet Caroline by yes. Neil Diamond. <laughs> Neil Diamond has actually released a new version of the song. So instead, most of you would know the song. It says, you know, hands, touching hands, reaching out. 
Anyway, Neil Diamond's done his new rendition, which is all about hands, washing hands. <laughs> Very <laughs> good. So if you have time, jump on YouTube and Google it. Um, yeah, that, that put a smile on my face this week. And what about you, Tom? Have you seen anything interesting uh, over the last couple of weeks? The only thing I've seen is the inside of a winery. <laughs> That's great. That's great. And how's it been going there? I think last week you said we were up to about 600 tonnes. Where are we up to now? As of exactly now, we're at about 1,160 tonnes. Yeah, wow. Okay, so past the 1,000 tonne mark. And you mentioned last week also that things were coming in low yields. Has that continued, that trend? Yeah, the trend has continued, sadly. What were you thinking that you're going to get before vintage kicked off? Probably over 2,000 tonnes. And we're probably, we'll certainly be under 2,000 tonnes now. It's difficult to be exact. We're pretty much finished uh, on the East Coast. There's only Sauvignon Blanc and Riesling to go, but most of Cayenne is still to go. So it depends if Cayenne holds its estimates a bit better than the hazard. Uh, things could turn out a bit better than we hope. And uh, what have we seen come in this week so far? What haven't we seen? <laughs> it's been... <laughs> A particularly busy couple of days, I have to say. I'm not feeling quite as bright as I was last week when I spoke <laughs> to you. We've got ra- it's raining here at the moment pretty heavily. So the last sort of 48 hours, we've really been going pretty strongly to get quite a few varieties in. So we've seen a lot of estate pinots from both vineyards, some Sauvignon Blanc from the East Coast, some Chardonnays, yeah, a whole a, a gamut of varieties have been coming through the winery. So we've literally been going great guns for a good 48 hours. Both vineyards for the Pinot Noir? Yeah, we've taken some of the Pinots, predominantly from Cain, uh, in some of the older parts, such the 20-year-old parts of the vineyard, which is pretty low cropping, some of the top ones that go into the reserve. But the East Coast, we've pretty much finished the Pinot completely. So all the estate stuff bar about 10 tonnes, all Devil's Corner Pinot is in the winery. And have you got a particular block of Devil's Corner Pinot Noir that you want to elaborate on for us? Well, CBO8 is always a bit of a standout for us. It's 12 hectares, all the one clone, and for us to do that it's about you know depending on the year this year it's probably about 80 tons but in previous years it's probably been about 140 so it can take us pick it over a number of days and we've actually got some of that in the winery which is finished ferment already which seems strange seeing as we haven't picked some of it and so but it's an exciting block and, and makes up a big part of devil's corner pinot noir what was the quality like in the vineyard and how has that transpired now as it's completed fermentation? Yeah, pretty light as we know across the whole board. It probably was a little bit heavier than some of the other blocks and but it had great exposure and things like that. So lots of concentration in the ferment, lots of colour, a real sort of deep cherry raspberry sort of character. So it's going to be a rich wine at this stage if that was the only one, but there's going to be a few other components to go in and make it up as well. And talk me through the winemaking details from uh, picking through to where it's at at the moment. Well, the fruit's machine harvested on, on the East Coast with one of these selective harvesters that we have. And that produces a real whole berry, which is great when it comes to the winery, and takes away all the stalks and mog. And mog is uh, material other than grapes, so leaves or cane. So very clean fruit comes into the winery. We tip that into a destemmer and pump and pump it up into one of our big tanks if you've ever been to the winery. And we've got even these brand new sort of sweeper arm tanks, which are, are very large on the top side, which many people wouldn't have seen yet. So we filled these for the first time with this block from CBOA and because we've got these tanks and slightly low crops we actually did a bit of a soak this year for Devil's Corner Pinot whereas a lot of the times we inoculate with yeast straight away but then we inoculated quick bright warm ferments pressed it off and now it's sitting in tank waiting to go through metallic fermentation and it's great pretty simple um, pretty wine making but we're really just trying to retain that fruit and that brightness and the classic sort of style that's Devil's Corner Pinot. 
Now, Tom, you mentioned soak for a couple of days. You mean cold soaking? Yes. We didn't actually put the cooling on. We just sort of left it for a couple of days. Yep. It increases the colour and, and, and sort of your time on skins and get that flavour. You may or may not know, it's red. one of the things that makes red wine different from white wine is that you have to ferment it on its skins because all the colours in the skins, that's where you get a lot of flavour and colour and things like that. If someone came to the winery and you told them that you're winemaking the Devil's Corner Pinot Noir and we cold soak for two days, what would you tell them were the, the major attributes of doing that? The colour, a tannin extraction there as well or is it just about getting more colour? It would be a bit of a tannin extraction. You get some tannin out of the skins. We don't have any stalks present there. You're also getting some flavours, more time on skins in contact with the skin. So everything that comes out of those, which is that colour and that tannin and a bit of structure and flavour. So it just gives you a little bit more time. And it's something we don't sometimes do with Devil's Corner, but that's more because we just don't have the time and the space. So we're really trying to turn over a bit of fruit. And it's part of the style of the wine, I suppose. The benefit of a lower yielding vintage. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Tom, I got an email today through BizCaps that said, did I want a tasting sample of the 2020 Devil's Corner Pinot Noir Rosé? And I obviously said, yes, please, give me as much as I possibly can. But uh, I'd imagine that that's only sort of just into the winery. Can you tell us a bit about how that wine's come about, where it's come from and how you've handled the fruit? The fruit's not even into the winery. You've got to love BizCaps when it asks you for wines (laughs) that haven't been made, doesn't it? Classic. (laughs) Uh, We have taken a little bit of fruit for it, but certainly probably half of it's still out in the vineyard. I suppose rosé is very fashionable, so people have been calling for it for a number of years. We've got a little bit of Pinot Noir around, so this year it finally managed to get across the books and... And so we've picked out a few special blocks that we think would work well with rosé from Tasmania. So it's exciting, actually, to be making a different style of wine. And, and will it be Cayena predominantly? It's a combination. It's easier to do rosé with from Cayena fruit, simply because we're not looking for too much colour extraction. And when you're machine harvesting the fruit, as we do, obviously everything that comes from the East Coast has a three-hour drive to get here. And so if it's our Cayena, we can literally process it within half an hour of it coming into the winery and so we're not getting as much colour and in that sense we don't have to sort of add anything to try and get rid of that colour because obviously we don't want to just make red wine we're making a rosé which is quite different Yeah, so the three hour travel time from the hazards is the colour extraction It can get colour extraction We are taking some parcels from the east coast and and doing them as well but yeah, yeah, the predominance is going to be from Cana We're not really looking for much colour at all. What we're doing, we handle it like a white wine. So basically, a rosé is sort of made in the style of a white wine. So we're getting the bins and we tip them directly into the press. So we're separating that juice away from the skins as quickly as possible. So it's the complete opposite of the conversation we were just talking about with Devil's Corner Pinot. And in that sense, we're reducing our colour. We're keeping very bright, soft, more, and certainly more sort of in that strawberries, cherries, if you imagine even a for us, a piri sparkling rosé, those sort of subtle strawberry characters. And so that goes straight to a tank. It's settled, clarified, so that we get bright, clear juice. Then it's ready for inoculation with an aromatic yeast. Keep it nice and clean and bright. You're not going to have a play around with any oak influence or anything like that? Oh, you know me. I probably will. <laughs> see, see what mood you're in that day. <laughs> I actually already have. <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay. Nice. Uh, I ran the first parcel to Punchins to, for ferment, so just for a bit of fun. And are they a little bit older or...? 
Yeah, old old puncheons. Yep. A mixture of old white and red puncheons. It's actually finished ferment, actually. And then we've got a couple of other parcels that are in tank, just waiting to be inoculated. And then we've still got a couple of parcels in the vineyard waiting to be harvested. Uh, very exciting. Our, our ferment listeners will be super keen to try a, a Tasmanian Devil's Corner rosé. I'm trying to rack my brain. Did we have a rosé in the portfolio in the early days? Yes, we did, but I think it was, it was before my time as well. I just um, vaguely recall seeing bottle images or a tasting note. I'm not sure if yeah. it was there when we when we actually purchased back in 2010. No, it was before then. So, but yeah, it was a Devil's Corner Rosé, definitely. But yeah, no, it goes back a ways. You mentioned that there's some Sauvignon Blanc coming in from the Hazards Vineyard over the next sort of few days, weeks. What else is still to come in? From the Hazards, predominantly Sauvignon Blanc, very small amount of Riesling, and very small amount of Pinot Noir, but yeah, about 300 tonnes of Sauvignon Blanc, and that's it for the East Coast. Cana's got a lot to come in. <laughs> uh, lots of Pinot, lots of, a bit, a bit of Chardonnay, um, Sauvignon Blanc, Riesling, so yeah, we've only really knocked off sparkling. We took in some Patricia Chardonnay yesterday, we took in some of the estate Pinots yesterday, but yeah, no, Cana's probably 80% to go. I think it was post-vintage tasting last year that you mentioned we had brought in the peristatic pump or pumps. Do you want to just let our listeners know, firstly, what those pieces of equipment are and what what you're thinking the benefit of having them in the winery is? Yeah, sure. So it's a peristaltic pump. Sorry, Harry, I'll just correct you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one. It's, it's a pump with a big, almost a big bike tyre in it. And the way that it pumps, it retains all these whole berries. So the company invests a lot of money in great harvester technology. And that's got rid of this, as we spoke about earlier, got rid of the stalks and the mog um, and retained these whole berries. Now, great Pinot Noir is making wines or fermenting without with these whole berries. And you can you get this retention and brightness of fruit when you do. So we wanted in the winery to match the equipment that they were harvesting with. So we bought a peristaltic must pump, which so that's where the harvester tips pretty much into this pump and then we can pump it into our open fermenters or our tank fermenters and we also bought a smaller version of the pump and this is what we use to macerate and extract the color during ferment so we've talked about probably more in the past doing punch downs and you've probably downed them few people might have done them when they were visiting the winery and they're pretty physical and it's a pretty intensive process but aggressive against the skins as well so we're now using this pump which is a lot lighter and a lot easier on the grapes and we're finding we're making pretty prettier, more elegant wines, but still have that structure, but a lot of pinosity about them. So yeah, we're sort of, we're still using plunging a bit, but it's a combination of the two. And we're pretty excited about the wines. The first year was last year where we did this, and we're pretty excited about those wines and the the potential for some of the wines to come. And Tom, the sustainability piece has been pretty big for the company, you know, certainly over the last couple of years. I know that we're doing something pretty interesting with the grape mark there. Can you uh, elaborate on that a little bit? Uh, yeah, sure. Obviously, all the grapes are coming up from the East Coast and Cayena and wherever else. So once the juice has been extracted from those seeds and skins, they go on the back of the truck and they go out to a big pile in the vineyards and we compost them and we add straw and things to them, well, the vineyard do. And then after a year of that sort of breaking down, we can actually spread that back underneath the vine and it improves the soil structure and adds back a bit of nutrient as well. So it's a great way. It's, it's, it's really good. It's fantastic material to put back on the vines, but it's also a great story of sustainability and retaining all that healthy nutrients. 
Tom, you mentioned you've had a fair bit of rain down there. What do you feel that's going to do to the flow of vintage? Might give me a couple of days off. No, no, probably not. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's certainly going to um, slow things down a little bit. Depending on how much rain we get, it's whether the, the, it actually soaks into the grapes. So we then have to test the sugars on the grapes again once it does dry out. And it might be a couple of days before we can get back in the vineyard so the grapes have returned um, to their normal sort of sugar level. So, yeah, we might potentially, if we get quite a lot of rain, be down, be stopped for about three or four days. We're not quite sure. So we just need to keep monitoring things. And so it's just a bit of pressure on things and a little bit of stress level. So that's the, that's the job, really, I suppose. Yep, that's it. That's why, that's why you get paid the big bucks, mate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, Tom, thank you so much again. That was a terrific little catch-up on Vintage so far. We'll give you a call next week and see how things are tracking. Thanks, Harry. That was the Ferment Winery Updates. If you have any feedback for us at The Ferment or want to send us some questions to ask our winemaking teams, then send us an email, theferment at brownfamilywinegroup.com.au. So thanks for listening to The Ferment, everyone. Stay safe out there, chase hard and look out for each other.